0: you ready to hear from God? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. As we open his word, let's open our hearts. If you would, uh, repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I believe in the power of your word to change my life. Make me more like you through your word today. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Technology is increasing and face to face encounters are decreasing. Surrounding ourselves with the right kind of people and having a church family is going to be vital as we prepare for the future. Are you familiar with artificial intelligence? Maybe you're hearing that. It's kind of a buzzword these days. We've seen it for a long time. It actually started maybe in the 1950s with the computer, but really in the 1980s with the personal computer, AI took off. Now we see it on Amazon and Netflix, and anytime we open our phone, the face recognition on your phone, anybody have an iPhone and you do the face recognition, it recognizes who you are. All of those kind of things are AI. You can go to a website now and chat with a bot Right there's a little chat bot and you type it in there. I did it recently with State Farm or something like that, and it was so much faster. I could wait online for uh, you know wait on the phone for 11 minutes, or I could just type my little answer. That chat bot may not be a real person. That might be artificial intelligence. It's learned how to, conversate with you and answer questions. Um, It's been given a database of information. It even learns as it's doing it through trial and error. It doesn't really learn. It's not human, but it. Um, it, it gets better at doing what it does because it asks you sometimes, was that a good response or how was that? And you can write it and it can get better through that. So we've seen artificial intelligence around us for a long time. I have a story for you. Um, Misty and I, just two weeks ago, it was Friday night it was date night. And so we are going down to the woodlands. So I take out my phone, we're going to a new restaurant. So I push the button and say directions to and I give the restaurant Takes me there. I go straight down there, especially in the woodlands. I mean, I can't tell where I am in the woodlands because there's trees everywhere, and you don't. I don't know where everything is. So thank goodness we have the phones, right, and that technology. But that's AI that's driving it, right? We get done with the restaurant. It was really good, by the way. If you need a restaurant recommendation down there, but uh, then we go over to Whole Foods to get some probiotics. We're kind of into vitamins and stuff like that, and probiotics really help our digestion, right? But we have to get the live probiotics, and they're like 60 bucks a bottle, and I can only get them down there in Whole Foods. So I'm going there, I go straight to that counter, get the refrigerated, I go straight to the self-checkout, I'm gonna put it in my cooler in the truck and keep it cold on the way back while I go back in and do some more shopping. So I grab it, I'm excited, it's on sale. I go up to the counter and I'm gonna pay with my Amazon Prime credit card because at Whole Foods that's supposed to save me 5% more, right? So I pull up my, but I forgot to bring my card so I had to get Missy's card. Her card gets denied because we haven't used it in forever and I'm down in the woodlands And I'm doing, you know, $150 or more on this pro buy. So it bank fraud alert denies the card, right? Well, that bank fraud alert, that's artificial intelligence, right? That's telling me that. But I'm I'm trying to figure that out as I'm doing the self-checkout. So there's a real human being. (laughs) (laughs) It's walking around helping me. So she walks over. She's super nice there at Whole Foods. I'm doing the self-checkout. She said, open your Amazon app. I opened it up. She said, press the in-store code. I pressed in-store code on my Amazon app. It generates a QR code. I scan that across the thing. All this is AI, right? I scan that, it gives me an extra savings. She said, now you can pay with that also. If you set up your account, just put your palm on this palm reader and you can pay for your bill." So there's a credit card reader where you stick your credit card, and right next to it, there's no little, you put your palm on it and you pay with a palm reader. When I was growing up, a palm reader was somebody different, right? That's a different. (laughs) Don't go to them either, right? But it kind of freaked me out that it was a palm reader and it made me think about how close we are to the mark of the beast. You know, in Revelation it talks about the mark of the beast and you put it on your forehead or on your wrist. And uh, we're close to a one world system of controlling our buying and selling. Well, we see AI, it's been around for a long time, but this is the year of it. And really, I think it's amazing that this new technology really benefits from God's intricacies of creation. That face recognition where it knows who I am, that's because my face is different from any of y'all's faces. My face is different from 8 billion people in the world. That's amazing to me. How did that happen through evolution and millions of years of chance that things got better, right? The fact that my palm is different from everybody else's palm and they, enough so that they trust it to make a payment. God's intricacies of creation, the uniqueness of how you're created is very special. Don't um, decrease your value. God values you and how unique you are. He made you special like nobody else that's alive today and nobody else that's ever been made. You are uniquely and wonderfully made. So do you think we need to talk about this topic as a church? Yeah. I think we do. I asked Pastor Randy's permission a couple of weeks ago. And he was 100% supportive of this. But I'm not an expert by any means. I'm just getting into this. I'm geeking out over it, I admit, right? I've done a lot of study, but I am not an expert by any means. I'm going to do a part two of this in Digging Deep Bible Study next week. So next Sunday at 930, I'll be in there. Where Digging Deep is always Digging Deep Bible Study. Just go through here and in the Fellowship Hall. Uh, But next week, I'm going to try to do a part two, get into some more scriptures, some more applications of this stuff. Today, I'm just kind of laying it out and introducing it for you, and I'm looking forward to studying more this week to get ready for that. I am not an expert, but I want to start the conversation for us as a church about artificial intelligence. So my sermon title is, A Christian Response to Artificial Intelligence. In a nutshell, our response to artificial intelligence is to prepare for it, not prevent it. We can't stop it. We've never been able to stop progress. Now, right here, when I say we can't stop it, you could go negative, you could go into fear, you could go into flight or fright or whatever it might be, but that's not the Christian response. None of this is a surprise to God. We're gonna see that clearly today, I hope and pray. You see, as humans, we are creative because we're created in the image of God, this is a key verse for us today. If you're taking notes, write down Genesis 1, 26 and 27. We're going back to Genesis 1. First book of the Bible, first chapter. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. It reads, Then God said, Let us make humans, beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, the wild animals on the earth, some of y'all are going hunting, and you're going to rain over the wild animals, this you know, deer seat, right? Uh, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Verse 27. So God created human beings in His own image, in the image of God He created them, male and female. He created them. It's male and female to be the image of God. We are created in the image of God. It is in our nature to be creative and to keep creating. That's why this is not going to stop because we are creative. It's in our nature. We're going to keep creating. Now that we have the computer power and the databases and the programs to do artificial intelligence, there's no stopping it. We cannot prevent it, but we must prepare for it. We must talk about the ethics and prepare personally and as a family and as a church for what is coming. Pastor has been teaching a small group of us here on staff that preach and teach around here. He's been pouring into us in a little small group. And we meet, and he, we're going through a curriculum together. But this past week, we were all ready with our curriculum and studied and came. I was more prepared than I normally am, I'm, uh, I have to admit. But, but then he switched the topic. This week, he had a fire in his belly. He came in there, and he uh, gave us a lesson about um, biblical literacy. His passion was biblical literacy and how we need to teach biblical literacy here as a church. Because he was speaking to all the staff that preach and teach around here. And he is fired up about biblical literacy. Always has been, but it really, I saw it this week. I gotta tell you, that's the way we prepare is through biblical literacy. In the future, as we come to more and more ethical debates about technology, we will need to discuss God and humanity. We need to know who God is biblically. We need to know who we are as humans biblically. We need to know that we're created in the image of God And we're the only ones created in the image of God. Elon Musk was accused of being a... Whenever Elon Musk... He's the one that was behind AI and wanting it to be open AI. And one of the other leaders of AI was wanting it to be closed. And his... They were colleagues and working on AI together. But his colleague accused him of being a specist. He said, you're preferring the human species over other species. And he said... Guilty as charged, yes. The human species is above other species, right? We need to know what it means that we're created in the image of God and that we're the only ones created in the image of God. We need to know that we are not gods. We need to be biblically literate. So if you're taking notes, I've got three points for you today, three main points. The first one is, what is artificial intelligence? And here's my attempt at a synopsis of what it is. Artificial intelligence is not real intelligence artificial intelligence is still artificial the machines are not really thinking they are simulate that's the sci-fi movies where the machines start thinking and take over the world and the first thing they think of is to kill humans right that's what all the sci-fi movies do that's not what's happening they're not really thinking yet they are doing what humans normally do and doing it much faster They don't need to eat, sleep, take a break, go to the bathroom. They can just keep working. What makes it possible for the level of AI that we have right now is the ability to combine these high-powered computers with enormous amounts of data and then reasoning algorithms that have been written by humans. But that's how it happens. They're just reasoning engines. We've had search engines for a long time. Now we have like reasoning engines. Basically, these, but they're not thinking, and they just have one focus. Basically, these computers are loaded with enormous databases information. They search all those databases. They apply a logical, human-like pattern of reason, and they solve the problem or figure out how to do it better based upon the knowledge that they've been given. That's my synopsis. So for now, we just have narrow AI. It's programmed to do one thing. For example, computers playing chess. Computers have been able to play chess for a long time now, actually. The first computer program by IBM that beat the Grandmaster chess player was back in 1997. It said one of the, I, I, I uh, Googled it and said, "Have computers been able to beat the human chess?" It said, "Yes." They've been able to beat the, human, the best human chess players for years now. IBM's Deep Blue defeated World. Chess champion Gary Kasparov in a six game match in 1997. And since then they've only gotten better. We've learned new things about playing chess. New moves, new strategies that we wouldn't have known just because they can calculate. The computer can play thousands of chess games all at the same time and learn from it and figure out strategies. So We've learned from it. But that's still not thinking, it's reasoning and using algorithms and logistics. One more example about this narrow AI that's going to really help us in healthcare is in the field of radiology. Top medical doctors, these radiologists that are trained to read x-rays and scans, they can diagnose, let's say they build a database of 500,000 images of just your lungs. Or not just your lungs, of lungs, right? (laughs) With thousands of different issues going on. Well, that database of 500,000 images that has been built by top medical doctors is super valuable. Because now, if I go down to the Conroe regional or whatever and they x-ray my lungs, they could put it into the system and compare it against 500,000 scans of top medical doctors versus one radiologist reading it and trying to compare it to what they learned in med school, right? The accuracy of reading scans with a database, with a computer that could spit it out in two seconds, what the scan is, that's super valuable for our healthcare, and we're going there. I've mentioned, um, I think I've mentioned ChatGPT already, have I? I don't know if I did earlier. That's where I looked up the chess player thing was on ChatGPT. Have you heard what ChatGPT is? How many of you have ChatGPT on your phone right now? Okay, more in this service. I see four. Last service, there were two. Five, maybe? I'm six. I've got it on my phone now. Just the last, well, I've had it on it for a few months now, but... I want to demo for it, demo it for you right now. It's it's an app on your phone, is what it is. And I was trying to figure out how to do it and how I could record myself doing it on my phone. And my son Sam said, "Dad, just screen record yourself doing it and show him that." I was like, "Well, of course, yeah." So I just uh, you know took the top right corner, swipe down, hit screen record, and then I just opened my Chat GPT app on my phone. It's just like any other app. Open the app, and it's like a messaging app. You type your message and your question in there. And it spits back an answer and gives you whatever you need. It can give you a smoothie recipe. I'd put smoothie recipe in there, and it came up with strawberry and banana, chocolate and kale, or something, and then whatever the other smoothie recipe was, spits them out there. It can look through the data that's been put into it and spit back a response. Do you want to see a demo of it? Yeah. Okay, this demo. I'll tell you what the demo is. The demo is going to be there in just a minute, but not yet. Um, the demo I got from my other son. He's doing. He's studying Christian ministry in college. And one of his assignments in class was to write an essay about the calling of Samuel in the Bible. He's in a class that's literally called Calling and Practice. And it studies calling and practice in the Bible. And he said, write an essay about the calling of Samuel. So I put that into ChatGPT. You can see it here on the video. I opened the app, ChatGPT. I said, please write an essay for me about the calling of Samuel in the Bible. It says, title, introduction, the calling of Samuel. This is real time. It says Samuel's early life, number one. It says the divine encounter. It writes all this for me. It says God's message to Samuel, Samuel's growth in ministry, lessons from Samuel's calling. It gives me four lessons from his calling, the cost of prophetic calling, conclusion, all the way down. Then I said, okay, give me me this, rewrite this essay for a college audience and write it in Turabian style. You can see I'm typing it in there. So it rewrites the same essay for me. It remembers what I said. Certainly, here's the same essay revised for a college level audience. Rewrites the essay, improves the language a little bit probably. I don't think it put it in Turabian style. I don't think it really knew how to do that. And it didn't cite anything or quote anything. And so it is still limited, but that's what it can do. And it's just right there on your phone. So, so far, we have narrow AI, and the reason this year, 2023, is being called the year of artificial intelligence is because things like this are coming to the consumers now. Google has put out one called BARD that came out in March. I haven't attempted that one yet. I don't know if you have to pay for it, and, it, and I've heard it's not as good as ChatGPT, but I don't know a lot about it yet. Um, there is a second type of artificial intelligence. It's called general AI, and it doesn't exist yet, but it is the goal of these AI developers. So I got to tell you about it. I looked this up on chat GPT as well. and It said general AI refers to AI systems that possess human-like intelligence and are capable of understanding, learning, and performing any intellectual task that a human being can do. These systems would have the ability to transfer knowledge and skills across domains and adapt to new situations and display a form of consciousness. That's like the sci-fi movies, right, where the machine has consciousness and self-awareness. Achieving AGI, or artificial general intelligence, remains a goal of artificial intelligence research and is currently theoretical with no fully realized examples. So these don't exist yet. There's a sci-fi movie called The Creator. I've got the movie poster, The Creator. It just came out September 29th, and I haven't gotten to see it yet. I thought that would be great research. I gotta go to see this movie, right? I tried to go yesterday. I couldn't pull it off, but I'm going to see it. I've watched all the movie clips and trailers, and that is what, um, that would be general AI. The versatility to handle uh, intelligence it's in a wide range of tasks exhibit human-like cognitive abilities. So this is a huge topic and we've only done the first point but the first point was what is artificial intelligence? My next point is that knowledge will increase in the last days. If you're taking notes, that's point number two. Knowledge will increase in the last days. This week I updated Pastor Randy on my sermon prep and I told him, I've got way too much. I don't know how I'm gonna cover this topic. I said, I don't even know what scripture I need to like land on and then preach. I said, I, I, I need to preach from scripture, not just topical, right? I don't want this to be a TED talk. I wanna give you scripture. And I was like, what scripture should I give him? And he said, what about using that prophecy about how in the end times, knowledge will increase? And he's talking about Daniel twelve four. Have you seen this scripture? Oh, and then he said, and use that knowledge doubling curve. I knew what he's talking about because that's been around for a long time. But let's turn to Daniel 12, one through four. This is my second point. Knowledge will increase in the last days. Daniel 12, one through four. I'm gonna lead into verse four. Verse four is where it says knowledge will increase in the last days. But let me lead into that because it's talking about the end times and I wanna give us some hope here. Daniel 12, one through four. If you read the book of Revelation, you also need the book of Daniel too. Daniel's prophesying things that happen there as well. So Daniel 12, one through four says, at that time, Michael, the archangel who stands guard over your nation will arise. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations came, first came into existence. We're seeing some of that happen around the world, right? great anguish. Well, we've always had anguish in the world, but it says there'll be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. That gives us hope right there. Somebody should shout hallelujah over that. If our name is written in the book, we're gonna be rescued, right? Amen. Then it says, many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up this cemetery over here is gonna be real active all of a sudden, right? (laughs) Many of those by like dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. He tells Daniel, keep this prophecy as a secret. Remember, this is Daniel like Daniel in the lion's den. This is Daniel like the Bible story you heard as a little kid, Right? He said, keep this prophecy, seal it up in the book until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there, possibly that's like how we can travel all over the world now quickly, and knowledge will increase. So we believe that in the end times, knowledge is going to increase, and we wouldn't have known that until we got here. I mean, we wouldn't have seen that coming, because here's where the knowledge doubling curve comes into play. He put the chart up about the knowledge. Pastor Randy said, use that knowledge doubling curve. I found this example of it. There's many examples of it. Basically, from the time of Christ until the 1440s, the 15th century, when the printing press came along, knowledge only doubled one time in 1,500 years. And then, in the next 400 years, knowledge doubled again. All we had was books, and they had to be printed on a printing press, right? Next From 1900 to 1950, in only 50 years, knowledge doubled again. From 1950 to 1970, knowledge doubled in 20 years. Then in 70 to 80, it doubled in 10 years. Then it started doubling every eight years. And now some people say it's doubling every 13 months. But here's where the debate comes in. Now other people are saying, okay, you're going too far. See, this came out in the 80s when they they could more... Now we don't know how to measure how fast knowledge is doubling. And especially with artificial intelligence, with all these high-power computers, the way we're being able to analyze things in medicine and everywhere else, we don't have a clue how fast knowledge is doubling. Some people are pushing back against that and saying, no, it's not doubling that fast. It's not doubling every 13 months yet. But maybe it is. I don't know. Things, but definitely, no matter how you measure it, knowledge is increasing exponentially. Even 100 years ago, we couldn't have seen. It's doubling exponentially at this point. So, my second point is knowledge will increase in the last days. And artificial intelligence is rapidly increasing the growth of knowledge. And the Christian response to that. The Christian response to that is that God is not surprised And God has a calendar, and we are on it. He has us on his calendar. Artificial intelligence, remember what Daniel said. He said, all those whose names are written in the book of life are going to be rescued. Artificial intelligence is one of the ways God is increasing this knowledge and preparing us for the end times. We can use it for good. So this year is when artificial intelligence has really hit the mainstream consumer. We've been benefiting from it and all of these apps, but now we have specific apps that we can use to do artificial intelligence or influencers on social media can use to create content. That's going to cause a whole bunch more issues that I'll try to get to a little bit in part two next week and digging deep. But the race to make, uh, the race to dominate the AI market is on. Companies like Amazon and Microsoft and Google and IBM, they're pouring billions of dollars into artificial intelligence to try to control it. Just like Google controls the search engine. Does anybody not use Google? Google controls like 90-something percent. You know, Bing or somebody else has like, you know, a little bitty percentage, but Google dominates. They're all trying to dominate the AI market, right? So, my wife knew, knew I was studying this and so she sent me a little screenshot of a uh, ChatGPT suggestion sheet. It's like a box of things that you can use ChatGPT for and so you can take these little prompts and go on your app and ChatGPT and write in a little message and get it. One of the ideas that I found on there was how to interview for a job. So it's giving you suggestions of how to interview. So he told, okay, go into ChatGPT and ask it to research the organization that you're interviewing for. So you wanna know about the history, and the mission, and the values of the company that you're gonna go work for, right? So ask GPT to do that for you. So I did that on my chat GPT, and I screenshot it for you, and I did Lone Star Cowboy Church. So this is, if I was going to take, and use it to interview for a job here, I, you'll see on the screen when it plays, right here is the chat GPT tips, I've copied that, I went over to my chat GPT app, Selected the app, pasted the prompt in there. Brief summary about Lone Star Cowboy Church: history, values, major deals. It talks, starts talking about us. We're a religious, unique religious institution with rich history and distinctives. Montgomery, Texas. Do you notice it said that we were founded in 2003? Is that right? No, we were founded in 2000. It got it wrong. It also said some good things. It said that we're a friendly, welcoming place, a place that non-traditional people would feel welcome in church. It said that based on core values like hard work and integrity and some things like that, some good things. It said that we host rodeo events and musical concerts and something else that said we ho- that we have an impact on our community. Those things are true roughly, but I think they have a term for this. Whenever chat GPT doesn't, Totally no, it hallucinates, it says. It doesn't say that it lies. It doesn't say that it makes a mistake. It says that it hallucinates. That gives it more of a personal characteristic, and that's what they're trying to go for is machines becoming human, right? So it says that it hallucinates. So if you use any of this AI technology, you've got to check your sources. You've got to check what it says. It said we were founded in 2003. We were founded in 2000. And I think it just kind of threw in those values about hard work and integrity. Those things are true about us. So that wasn't a mistake. But if it really looked at our core values from our website and put down some things, it would say those things that Pastor Randy's always telling us about our core values like people matter to God, right? People over projects. Um, the hope of the world is the church. And different things that he would, I think it would have come up with some of those unique things. It kind of just threw in some generalities about cowboy culture, I think. Which is true about us, and I'm glad, but be careful that your artificial intelligence doesn't hallucinate on you. So that's knowledge in the last days will increase. My third point for you is to prepare. We've gotta prepare. I hope I built my case for that. We need to prepare. If we're in the last days, if these things are advancing like like we think they are, we need to be prepared. And Like I said earlier, I'm not an expert, but I want to recommend somebody who I think is leading the way with this, and his name is John Lennox. He has a book called 2084, Artificial Intelligence and the Future of Humanity. There's the book cover, 2084. Remember reading the book, 1984, George Orwell, talking about futuristic stuff? He's playing off of that title, 2084, but he's talking about Artificial Intelligence and the Future of Humanity. I think John Lennox is kind of like a modern day C.S. Lewis. He's one of our brightest Christian thinkers that we have. He has that great English accent. <laughs> Trained in Cambridge and teaches at Oxford, and he debates Christopher Hitchings and the late Richard Dawkins and some of these leading um, atheists. And he's just so lovable and full of, uh, he just, when you see him, he looks like a, great, a loving granddad, you know what I mean? He's not this egghead, brainiac kind of guy. He just really communicates in just a wonderful way. Loves You can tell he loves the Lord. Brilliant guy, but he's written this book. I want to recommend it to you. And I, I got to give you two suggestions for him. I watched an interview of him talking about all this, talking about his book, and somebody asked him, they said, what can we do? Isn't that kind of where we're at at this point? <laughs> is What can we do? How do we prepare? Like, all this is coming what can we do? And he said, you can do a lot. He said, here's a first suggestion, is that when you talk with people about these issues, talk with them with questions, not answers. I thought this was super wise. He said, talk with them with questions, not with answers. So you can leave here today with all your newfound information about, since there were only six of us that knew about Chat um, you've learned some things today. You can go out and talk to people about it and throw all of your answers at people but he said, as you talk about the end times, as you talk about artificial intelligence, talk with them with questions. Ask them questions. Ask them things. And as you talk with, them and talk with them with questions, they're gonna turn around and ask you, well, what are you gonna do? And then you can share the hope that you have in Christ and how it's different because you have hope in Christ. And they're gonna be ready to listen. This is 1 Peter 3, 15. If you're taking notes right on 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, it says, if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it and do this with gentleness and respect. Isn't that good? Isn't that wise? When people start freaking out about things and about artificial intelligence and the end times, if we can answer them and be able to explain the hope that we have in Christ and how we're gonna make it, because our name, basically, because our name's written in the book of life, right? And we're going to get rescued. We can send them to the book. We can talk with them about it. That's going to give them confidence as well. A second recommendation from John Lennox was focus on humanity as made in the image of God. <clears throat> he said, being human is special and unique. Because God was able to become human. Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. We should not change humanity since we are made in the image of God. We need to have empathy for those with gender confusion. But it is still not ethical to change your humanity because you're made in the image of God. Here's my conclusion Prepare your family to know God and humanity from a biblical perspective. Biblical literacy is how we prepare ourselves. Specifically on who God is and what is humanity. I believe the greatest threat that we're facing is not artificial intelligence. It's not knowledge increasing. I think the greatest threat we're facing is replacing God and changing what it means to be human. So the way we counter that and the way we prepare is to know God and to know the definition of humanity that we're made in the image of God. So those are my two key truths for you today. They're gonna put them on the screen. The two key truths is God is the creator and we are made in his image. This takes us back to Genesis 1, 26 and 27 that we read in the beginning. It said, let us make human beings in our image. They will reign, it said. That's what we will do. It said, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So that's what I want you to take with you today are those two key truths is that God is the creator and we are made in his image. Why does it matter that God is the creator? Well, you see, as the creator, he knows best. As a creator, he is in control. As a creator, he knows the calendar. And as the creator, he will take care of us. Remember in Daniel it said, all those whose names are written in the book will be rescued. And all those who die and are buried are going to be raised up, some to eternal life and some to eternal damnation. I'm, I'm 55 years old. I may be in that cemetery over there and have to get raised up when he comes back. But... Um, he is going to take care of us. It's important that he's the creator because he's gonna take care of us. This simple preparation of knowing who God is and that there is only one God is excellent preparation for what will happen in the end times. Just think of the ethical questions we'll be able to answer if we're not just reading the Bible but studying it. Do you think we need wisdom for the end times? Maybe we need to read a chapter in the book of Proverbs every day. And when we finish the month, you know there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. So you can read the book of Proverbs every month. So if you get finished, start over and read it through again. And read it through again. If you do that for months and years, God's wisdom will be in your heart. And you'll be able to answer some ethical questions. And his Holy Spirit will be able to bring it up in your mind. That's my second thing is to know his heart and hear his voice in prayer. It's not enough to just know the book, we gotta know his voice. He said, my sheep hear my voice. You need to know what God's voice sounds like in prayer. I was teaching uh, Philippians four in the Digging Deep Bible study a couple weeks ago and I was teaching on commitment and I woke up that morning and I just asked the Lord when I woke up, I said, contentment, I need to know about contentment, I gotta study today. And he just dropped this phrase into my mind. It was just a thought, just like any other thought. But this thought just came into mind. And it was, godliness with contentment is great gain. And I knew that was scripture. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Because I read the scriptures every day, right? And so I'd, I knew that was a scripture. I didn't know where it was. I had to go look it up. I thought, I think that's New Testament. I think that's Paul. I found it in 1 Timothy 6.6. 6, and that became a part of my lesson that week was because... God put that into my mind. That's the way we we prepare. We know the word, and then we live by the Spirit, and we can hear His voice. Another way that we live by the power of the Holy Spirit in the end times is that, or another reason why we need to live by it is because we're going to need discernment. The Holy Spirit gives us the gift of discernment. We're going to need that as we make all these ethical decisions. I can't answer all the ethical decisions for you right now. We don't have time to go through a, we could go through a semester long class in ethics, right? But the way we're gonna get through that is with the gift of discernment. Well, you gotta have the gift of discernment by having the Holy Spirit. And you're gonna need a word of knowledge. The Holy Spirit will give you a word of knowledge. Word of knowledge is something that you didn't know and he put that word into your mind and you know it to to, uh, present it, Right? He's going to give you all kinds of things through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, healing, miracles. All of these things are what we're going to need to live by in these end times. I've been practicing these two key truths of God is the creator and we're made in the image of God. I've been practicing those just in the last two days or so. And it's changing me. Just telling myself God is the creator. I try to tell myself that like several times a day. It's changing me. It's because it's raised his authority in my life. When I say to myself, God is the creator, it puts him as authority and it puts me where I'm supposed to be instead of the other way around. We try to run our own lives and drive our own ship, right? But when I say God is the creator, it changes me in a good way. I'm becoming less and he is more in charge. The second key truth is I say that to myself, I say we are made in the image of God. Let's talk about that just briefly. We're made in the image of God has many applications. Since we're made in the image of God, we are creative. He's creative, we're creative. Since we're made in the image of God, we are a three-part being. We have a body, soul, and spirit. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because we're created in the image of God, we reign over the fish, the birds, the animals, the deer, the machines, we reign. Number four, we need to remember male and female is the image of God. That's a mystery in the fact that we can't totally understand it, but male and female is the image of God and we can remind ourselves of that. And a fifth thing, since we're made in the image of God, we will value human life differently. We will value all humans, no matter what race they are. We'll value the elderly. We'll value the unborn humans. It will inform our decisions about altering humanity. We are already facing ethical questions about transgenderism, but what about transhumanism? where we change what a human is? How many machines are we gonna let them put in our bodies, how, how much are we going to let them take us into transhumanism? How far will we go? These are ethical decisions, and when we're made in the image of God and we know who God is and that he is the creator and we know who we are in the image of God and what our job is, it'll help solve those ethical decisions by the power of the Holy Spirit as he leads us moment by moment. Let me give you just a little more context of the AI. I guess I could call this the agenda of the artificial intelligence. You know, these things have an agenda, right? There's an agenda behind it. The creators of AI have a goal to change what it means to be human. Many of the people designing and building the artificial general intelligence believe that they are continuing human evolution. So they believe in human evolution. So it's not a stretch for them to believe in transhumanism. If we evolve to this point, then it's natural for us to evolve into becoming uh, machines. So it's not a problem for them. They wanna change what it means to be human. That's their agenda. A goal for them would be to live forever. A goal for them would be to upload your consciousness as a mind file and gain immortality. It is true that God has put eternity in our hearts. And so there is a drive for eternity. This drive that they have to live forever is God-given drive. They just don't know God. (laughs) In Ecclesiastes, it says that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. So the fact that they want to live forever is hardwired into us. We're made in the image of God like that. And if you believe in evolution, though, then there's no problem to change what it means to be human. But if you're made in the image of God, then we should not change what it means to be human. We can't change who God is and we should not change humanity or redefine a machine as human. Calling a machine human, that's not made in the image of God. A little more context. Many of the creators of our footsteps have two driving factors. Number one, they want to eliminate physical death. They want to reach artificial immortality. It is AI for the purpose of AI. There's another AI, their other AI is artificial immortality. So they're using artificial intelligence to reach artificial immortality. And it would be cool to upload your brain into an avatar and then be able to dialogue with future generations. I'm all about generations and leaving a legacy and training the next generation. This would be putting your memories. You know, Facebook is kind of like a mind file right now. Facebook has all your memories for the last 12 years or however long it is and all your stuff, and you see those things. What if they were able to take a mind file of you, put it into an avatar, and then after you're gone, your grandkids could talk to you and you could tell them through your avatar memories and how it was when you met, your, met their grandmother, those kind of things. That would be pretty cool. But what is a Christian response to this goal of artificial intelligence? Well, first of all, a Christian response to that is that you can't eliminate physical death. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. But you can live forever. Their goal is to live forever. You can live forever. Where are you gonna live forever? You can live forever in heaven. You can be with your loved ones again in heaven. You can see your loved ones again and dialogue with them. You don't have to do it through an avatar. God is going to come and rescue those whose names are written in the book. And we get to be with our loved ones again. God has eliminated physical death. They think that they're going to eliminate physical death. They're too late to the game. God already did that. He beat hell, death, and the grave when Jesus rose from the dead. And we get to be a part of that by receiving him and being in heaven with our loved ones. So we've already accomplished what they're trying to accomplish. They're just trying to accomplish it without God. Their second aim is to enhance happiness now before they upload. So what's a Christian response to enhancing happiness now? Well, it's Jesus saying, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, right? It's finding our joy in Jesus now. That's how we enhance happiness before we, we're gonna upload through the rapture, right? (laughs) We're gonna be in heaven with the Lord. Okay, I'm about to close the service. But I want to address, if you have any concern or anxiety about the end times, listen carefully to this part. I want to encourage you. God has a clock. He has a prophetic clock. And he has shown his ability to accurately prophesy about the future. And he has prophesied more about the end times than anything else in the Bible. And the fact that all of his prophecies about his birth... All his prophecies about his death, all the prophecies about his resurrection came true. All these prophecies that are in the word about the end times are going to come true. You're not gonna get tricked into denying Christ. These prophecies are gonna be true. He is coming back for us. He will rescue us and take us out. We're not supposed to prevent the end times. We're supposed to prepare for them. And the way we prepare for them is remember, God is the creator and we are made in the image of God. I want you to repeat that self to yourself this week. You know that self-talk that you try to have? Change your self-talk and tell yourself, God is the creator and we are made in the image of God. If you need to write that down, write it down. If you need to watch this sermon later online or whatever, watch it later online. Now here's, I'll go ahead and forewarn you. Your tendency is going to be able to change those two statements. Your tendency is going to be able to, you, you might remember God is the creator. <clears throat> and then you might change the second one to I'm created in the image of God. But it doesn't say I'm created in the image of God. What does it say? We are created in the image of God. We're too self-focused and, and self-centered, right? We'll, we, we'll try to change it. But keep it plural. Keep it we are made in the image of God. If you keep it plural, then you're biblically accurate, but also it'll help you focus on your relationships. God exists in a relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He created us for a relationship with him, and he created us for a relationship with others. So just that one phrase, we are created in the image of God, will keep you focused on we and on the relationships that you need to have. Remember my opening statement of the sermon was, Technology is increasing and face-to-face encounters are decreasing. Surrounding ourselves with the right kind of people, having a church family is gonna be vital as we prepare for the future. We're gonna close the service in prayer. But before we close, I wanna give you a chance to respond. If you'll bow your heads with me. You may be here and you know that you need to give your life to Christ. You know you need to prepare by receiving Christ in your life. Maybe you've done it before, but you haven't been living for him and you want to recommit your life to him. And you want to cry out to him right now in prayer. Everybody's heads bowed. If you want me to pray for you, if you want to make that commitment to Christ, raise your hand. Our ushers are going to put a Bible in your hand. I want to pray with you. I wanna help guide you in that commitment of giving your life to Christ so that you're ready. Your name needs to be written in the book of life so that when he comes, you'll get rescued. We have a few hands raised. Anybody else? Two more hands over here. Thank you. Thank you for being bold. If you raise your hand, look up at me. Everybody else, keep your heads bowed. Thank you for being bold. Thank you for telling the Lord by raising your hand that you want to receive him. If you be so bold, would you come up here and let me pray with you? One day you're gonna have to be bold for Jesus. One day you're gonna have to stand up If you'll come forward right now, I'd love to pray with you. Amen. Bless the Lord. Thank you, brother. The word says, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father, right? But y'all are acknowledging God in front of all these people. The Lord loves that. Bless that. Let's pray together. Anybody else wants to come? Just come on down. We're going to say this prayer together brother. Lord bless you. Thank you for coming. Praise the Lord, Jesus. Let's pray together. Let's all pray this if you'd like, even if you've prayed this before, but I'm going to give you some words to say, but you've got to mean it in your heart. You've got to tell the Lord that this is what you want to do. You want him to come into your life. You want him to forgive your sins. You want to go to heaven when he comes back, right? Is that what you want to do today? All right. Then I'm going to give you some words to repeat, but you believe it in your heart. Okay. Let's all pray this. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for calling me. I receive you. Come into my heart. Forgive me our sins. Write my name in the book of life. Come and rescue me in that last day. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. Help me to read my Bible, to pray get involved in church, get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. This is exciting. If y'all will go over here, they're going to give you some more information. Great. Thank you, brother. Bless you. All right, let's all stand together. I'm going to close the service with one more word. My last reminder is to keep it plural, like I said. We are created in the of God. There are new people here in the church who need to connect with other people. Either they've recently moved here or they've had some kind of life change. Maybe they got divorced. Maybe they had a death. Maybe they've switched churches for some reason and they're new here and they need to connect to somebody. Let's remember we. And there are people who've been coming here for a long time, for years and years, and they don't know that many people here they don't really have church family here they don't really have somebody to call when the going gets rough and they need to connect as well do you need a place to connect this week we have a um, life group leader training coming up or maybe you want to be a life group host home you could sign up and do that we could start a, a bible study in your neighborhood and reach people how important would that be or you can come to Men's Bible Study up here at the church on Thursday nights, Ladies Bible Study here on Thursday nights or Friday mornings. The Arena Bible Study is on Thursday nights every other week down in the arena. Um, We have lots of opportunities for you to connect this week. Tomorrow night, we have the Kingdom Wealth Building class starts up tomorrow night. Um, Find a way to get involved in the church or to serve in the church, and you'll meet other people just through serving, through working in the parking lot or greeting or something. You're gonna meet some other people and, and develop some church family. So remember the we, God is the creator and we are made in the image of God. Let me just pray a blessing over you. If you want to receive it, just lift your hands. Father God, I pray your blessing over your people, over us as your church. We pray that you would fill us with your spirit. If you want that, say, fill me with your spirit. I want all you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. We'll see you next week. Thank you.